0: From today's reading from Ephesians, Paul writes, This grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Who is this gift for? I heard this question quite a bit over the holidays. Um, from Annie, our three-year-old daughter. In fact, in the span of a week, there were five different gift opening events spread out over three different cities. One of the things that Annie noticed was how each gift had a tag, but on that tag was written only one name. And so Annie would examine each gift. She'd look at the tag and ask, who is this gift for? Which, as it turns out, is problematic when there is an 18-month-old present whose favorite word at the moment in the entire world is the word, mine. (laughs) For KK, this word is the answer to every question. It is an emphatic statement she makes when she just wants to hear her own voice. I've even heard her mumble this word to herself at night when falling asleep. Meaning that when Annie would ask, who is this gift for each time without fail, KK would declare with absolute certainty, mine. It mattered not whose name was on the tag or the contents within the box. The stuffed dog, the men's pajama pants, the dollhouse, the Brooks Brothers gift card, KK's MO was to place her hand on that gift to declare to all that it exclusively belonged to her. This did not please Annie. And it led to what I'm sure all parents will recognize as very normal, childish ways. Sibling squabbles over who each gift was for because when push came to shove, and trust me when I say that it did, each child wanted the other to know that the gift belonged to them. So today we hear this great story about wise men who follow a star to meet the baby Jesus. And to give you just a little bit of background, the setting of the story is a world where Jews in Jesus' day believed that God belonged exclusively to them. Who is God for? Observant Jews had a very clear answer to that question, mine. Or to frame it a little bit differently, people believed that the riches of God had very clear bounds, bounds that were tied to race, bounds tied to purity and philosophy. Even within Judaism, you had Sadducees and Pharisees, Essenes and Zealots, different denominations with different bounds. My favorite illustration of this is in Philippians, where Paul writes... I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Because what Paul does here is offer up autobiographical information about the religious bounds that he used to take pride in before he encountered Jesus. The bounds he assumed God's work was limited to. The bounds that made him, in his mind, a real Hebrew. And here's the thing. If any biblical author might be tempted to see the world in a similar way, it would be Matthew, the author of today's gospel. Because as scholars are quick to note, Matthew is hands down the most Jewish of the four evangelists, the gospel author who more so than any other was tied to the customs and rituals that Jews in his day used to reach out to God. And so isn't it interesting that Matthew begins his gospel by telling a story not about Jewish dignitaries being led to the manger, not about rabbis being led to the manger, not about a pure-blooded citizen of Israel being led to the manger, no, but about wise men from the East. Now, I love, 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 love our Christmas traditions and cling to them which says that it was, in fact, three kings who visited that manger. We three kings, which we just sang. It is one of my favorite hymns, and we will sing it in years to come. But because the point of a sermon is to exposit the scriptures, I do need to point out that Matthew does not say that these men were kings, nor does he mention how many of them there were. In fact, the Greek word Matthew uses, which our lectionary translates as wise men, is more accurately translated as astrologers, stargazers. Um, These are hippies who are looking for omens in the sky, which is unfortunate because we three hippies of Orient are, just doesn't have the same ring to it. But Matthew's point is that these men, they don't practice the right religion. They exist outside the bounds of where Jews in Jesus' day assumed that God was at work. I mean, if you think about it, it's amazing. These men, they don't know God as God has revealed God's self to Abraham and Jacob and Moses. They don't know the law, they cannot quote the prophets. And yet Matthew, who was a real Hebrew, if there ever was one, he begins his gospel account with the story of God grafting in these people who many assumed that God intended to leave out. You see, Christmas is a declaration that Jesus Christ is God's gift. But Epiphany is an answer to the age-old question, who is this gift for? And the meaning of today's gospel is simple. Everyone. That there isn't any person or tribe or people or nation outside the bounds of God's saving reach. And it is God's reaching out to us that is central to this epiphany story, As the late Robert Capon once noted, religion is what happens when a group of people get together and develop rituals and strategies to reach out to God, but grace, salvation, the breaking of bounds, the meaning of our faith is that God has taken the initiative to reach out to us. And I do mean all of us, people of every tongue, And tribe and people and nation, there is no one whose name God has failed to write on the tag. The gift of Christ is for all. As Paul says in today's reading from Ephesians, God's grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. The boundless riches of Christ. I had to look up that word in the dictionary. Do you know what it means? It means without bounds. (coughs) So here's the question I'm going to ask you to ponder this week in your own prayer life. What person or what group of people are you pretty confident that God could never draw to God's self? And don't ask your head that question. I want you to ask your heart. Who repels you? Or who do you think might just repel God? Who could God never be drawing to God's self? Are you ready to hear something so wonderfully offensive? Whoever it is you thought of, God is drawing that person to the manger right now. As Jesus put it in the Gospel of John, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, Gentiles and Jews, sinners and saints, Republicans and Democrats, maybe even Libertarians, Episcopalians and Baptists, rabbis from the West, and wise men from the East. The gift of Jesus is for all. And that includes you, because I know some of us do wrestle with self-righteousness, and we need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is for other people, but I also know that it's human nature at times to wrestle with feelings of unworthiness, and there might just be something about grace that we don't understand. And So if you've come to church today, and that applies to you, I want you to hear me say with crystal clarity that you are not outside the bounds of Christ's riches, that your name is also written on the tag. Because to know the boundless riches of Christ as being the way and the truth and the life, this is our mission as a church. Because you know that star that led the wise men to the manger? In Matthew's gospel, that is supposed to be us. It is a symbol for the church. As Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Our vocation as the church is to shine in such a way that we draw other people to Christ. But to do that, we first have to visit the manger ourselves. We must first open the gift ourselves, not once, but daily in private prayer and weekly in corporate worship. And as the wise men offered their gifts before the king, so do we offer Christ what we have. Not gold, not frankincense, not myrrh. That's not the gift that Jesus wants. No, the gift Jesus wants is our life, our story, our experience, our heart. And Jesus wants to teach us to offer that up to God and to each other in such a way that without sacrificing who we are, we at the same time make room for other people's life and for other people's story and for other people's experience so that in and through this church, the wisdom of God and its rich variety might be made manifest to the world. And I can tell you something you already know to be true, which is that our world is so desperate to experience this quality of community. A community where difference is celebrated, where Jesus is shared, where riches are boundless and where no one ever screams mine. It's a normal thing for children to do. But as Paul once said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I gave up childish ways. And so, people of St. Michael's, here's our New Year's resolution for 2019. Knowing intimately the light which enlightens everyone, let's together be that star that leads all sorts and conditions of men to the manger so that each can discover for him or herself that the gift of Christ has always been and will always be for them. Amen.